Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray in charge of the buttons and ready once again to wander some of golf's less travelled pathways. As regular listeners know, there's really never much of a plan on this show, so it's best to just dive straight in and introduce today's Talking Heads, which includes a young person who proved popular on his last visit. All will be revealed in a moment. But first, as always, in the co-pilot seat and possibly with a few things to get off his chest this week, it's Adrian Logue. Once described in a UK golf guy review of the show as the unashamed intellectual of the group. I had forgotten about that. I can't remember what I was looking for, but I stumbled across <laughs> it again this week. Is this a mantle you wear with pride? And does it say more about yeah. you or the rest of it? <laughs> Were you just routinely Googling me or something? Is that I can't remember how I came across it, but I I came across it again anyway. So it was uh, it was fun to see. How did he come to that? We've even had him on the show and he had the gall to say that. <laughs> He should know better. I don't know. He's met me. He should yeah, know better. That's exactly right. We sat in a room together. <laughs> Proved that that was completely untrue. From one extreme to another, that was unnecessarily harsh. Uh, his visit with us today puts him in a pretty select company as a return guest, but he seemed popular last time. So if he can do something for us, let's see how he goes again today. No pressure. Golf Australia Magazine Deputy Editor Jimmy Emanuel, good to have you back. Looking forward to hearing your insights today. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be the younger, less intellectual Logue. Young-ish. <laughs> you are the polar opposite in every way, from physique to <laughs> in every other way. They couldn't be more the same. Uh, Logue, Olympics, talk. Yeah, well, we had the men's Olympic golf um, last week, and people seem to be pretty positive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm not. <laughs> I, I are thought you it was- it or indifferent to it? I'm, I'm indifferent. Yeah. Um, I feel like nothing happened at the tournament last week that disproved any of the criticism of at least men's Olympic Did you golf. read Eamon Lynch's column? I did. It's impossible rarely... to dispute in every single way. Well, <laughs> Though I disagree with him fundamentally, I can't, I can't see how I can make the case effectively given what he said. Yeah, I mean, he concluded that, you know, perhaps he could still criticise the format, but- I think, as you said in your column, Rod, um, there's the Winston Churchill thing of, you know, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the <laughs> except other for ones. All the others, yes. And, you know, four rounds of stroke play is uh, the worst form of um, finding the best golfer except for all the other ones. So I think that's true enough. But the, it, the format really is hurting it as an Olympic sport. And I think it, it's hard to escape this criticism of, no men and women playing together and no teams. And it's not the best field for the men. For the women, there are women that miss out. There's you know plenty of South Koreans that miss out that would be in the field to be able to claim that it's the best of the best that are playing. And that's one of the Olympic ideals. It, the whole thing is just so problematic trying to shoehorn golf in as an Olympic sport. And I feel like there's, there's, there's sort of, there's, the sort of sport that's suited to the Olympics is one that people can just instantly understand when they turn the TV on. It's like, oh, that person jumped further than the other person or you know, that person faster. threw the hammer further than the other one. Jumped higher. And they're taking turns and it's all, you know, after one or two turns, you've worked the whole thing out. You, you can- Who's not a diving fencing. expert? Who's not a diving expert every four years when the Olympics rolls around? <laughs> true, true. Except fencing. I'm going to have a go at fencing too because nobody understands fencing. They, they can they can claim they understand but it's it It's primal. Who doesn't want to grab a sword and start going at it with somebody else? That's good fun. Oh, yeah, except it's the most – it's the sport with the biggest gap between what you hope it is and what it actually <laughs> <You're> is. <true. laughs> fencing, fencing Twitter might be coming for you, like, I'd watch out. Yeah, we've already had gymnastics and swimming go to war. Maybe but they, no, they just swish around and then somebody puts their hands up and claims they've won. It makes no sense at all. Um, but I think I, when I see fencing, I think that's how people must see golf. Is It's just super confusing and it's like, oh, this is like we're into 10 minutes into four days worth of this and – it's all different every time I turn the TV on. I just don't get it. Yeah. The Australian uniforms were horrible, but that's a whole other issue, which has really got nothing to do with that the game. It cost them a couple of shots per round, <laughs> yeah, I think. It can't have helped, that's for sure. Jimmy, yeah. is Logue on the money there, or is it time for for those of us who are indifferent or anti the notion of golf in the games to just get over it and try to make the best of it? Yeah, I think that's probably more more where it falls. I've gone up and down on it. I, I was originally on there's no way it should be there, and then – I came around to it a lot more and last week did nothing to push me one way or the other, to be honest. Uh, you, you talk to the players and Ian Baker Finch about being involved and they think it's the greatest thing. So, 
we have to take a bit of their influence as to whether it belongs or not because they're the ones competing. So, I think that's an important element to to pay attention to. But, you know, it it's exactly as Logue says that it doesn't seem a natural fit in its current setup uh, where someone can just tune in and instantly pick up what's going on. Um, given it's a four-day event, it feels like it should test different skills across the four days. That's more of an Olympic sort of a thing, which would be a skill test, not a 72 Round a 72-hole stroke play event. What, so, the flop shot over the wall, the nearest the pin from six? Is this what you're well, suggesting? Lo- long drive, certainly, I think. Yeah. Drive, I right? mean, Excellent Olympic sport. Actually, you're that, 100% right. That would be a fantastic Olympic sport. That that sort of probably fits more in with how the other Olympic sports are, but it's in there as its own sport, so we have to play it as its own sport. But I, I think that that sort of idea of whether it fits or not harks back to this idea that whether it'd actually appeal to non-golfers being there, which I think is one of the biggest the biggest misnomers about the whole thing because if you sit there and watch the Olympics for two weeks, you've got that many sports, you can now stream whichever sport you want. If you're not a golfer, you're not watching the golf. So, catering it to non-golfers is something we shouldn't be concerned about. We should be concerned about the golfers who want to watch it and, and fringe golfers who might enjoy it because it's in the Olympics. It's a well, fundamental uh, question, the- isn't it? What yeah. Jimmy's alluded to there. Who is golf in the Olympics for? The messaging from golf has always been about it's there for non-golfers and the exposure. The reality is probably closer to the less talked about reason. Governments give you money if you're an Olympic sport. That's, that's the real appeal. That's a big positive of for golf. golf there's being there's in nothing the wrong with that. But who is it for? And I think Jimmy's right. In the golf, you only got to go on golf Twitter to see the support for the notion of a mixed team format. It's got its own problems. We can talk about those later. But that seems to be if you accept that it's for golfers. Because the other thing, of course, is non-golfers have already rejected the 72-hole stroke play diet. They can watch it on four different continents every week should they want to. They're already not doing that. So, certainly well, in terms of the it, format, it's nothing different. They can watch it the same week. The European Tour is running True, an event yeah. the same week. The Ladies European Tour is running an event. So, there's the same sort of ideals going on that week. So, I, I, I think the format is still an issue. Um, I understand, you know, 72-hole stroke play brings out a very – good winner most of the time, but to make it just a more exciting thing and, and give the Olympic golf its own identity, I think it should be different. It's so, four golfers, but a different golf format. So, yeah, golf is the I audience, so. but a di- not, not the format they're used to. Because, of course, the problems with the field, if you go to a mixed team format, is that I, you don't necessarily have two Individual and mixed team. Yes. Yeah, I, no, I, think you, I think you're complicated too much with that. I'm no, you're still- I mean, all sports have the individual and the mixed. Do they? And- and the team, yeah, they all, they all do. I, I think, like I think, I think one of the reasons rules out match play we, though doesn't it? Like? Doesn't doesn't rule out anything. Just as long, you can't have like, an individual match play champion in a team match play event. But they don't have to just play one tournament either. Like the swimmers don't. Like all of Emma McEwen's medals weren't determined by one swim. She was entering multiple events. Mm. So. So yeah, I agree with I agree with that that sort of mode that you play an individual element and you play a team element. But thinking about it the other day, I would suggest golf was no chance of giving away more than just a men's and women's individual medal in its first two Olympics. So they were probably hand tied to you can have an individual men's and an individual women's, and then the idea might develop into a maybe if it's if it's a fifty four hole men's and women's individual, and then there's a team element on the Sunday. I think. A bit of a, a carnival over one week is the way to do it best. There was undoubtedly a lengthy piece around the time of the 2016 Games explaining in depth why it was not possible to have anything but an individual men's and women's competition. And it came from the IOC, essentially, was that the the way they set up competitions and under the rules as they stood, that was the only option golf had. There was no option to do a mix. Now, that can change, obviously, as you said, having been in there, in there twice. So how radical then... Do you want to get what would it look like then? The perfect Olympics logo. Outline for me your perfect Olympic golf fortnight. Uh, honestly, I don't have the solutions. God, I thought we'd establish that <laughs> in this podcast. The terms, read the terms and conditions. <laughs> we only point out problems. <laughs> the, the only thing I'm quite sure of is that I think long drive has a place in the Olympics. I think long drive, not not this regular golf, but long drive would be a fantastic Olympic sport. It would be interesting and people would turn it on and they'd be interested. Non-golfers would get across it. It just doesn't fulfil the all of the objectives of golf writ large trying to 
use the Olympics as a platform to get people into golf. Well, it's not golf, is it, Jimmy? Long drive. It's one element of golf on steroids. I don't mean that, but you know no, what I mean? It's I, a- that would really appeal to the non-golfer probably more, yes. but I think as we've outlined that they're not the ones we're going to win over. Um, it'd be exciting. Watching the long drive every so often is is good value. So, uh, but it's it's not the it's not golf. And if you if you didn't have it as a truly golf format, I think you will you'll lose more than where you'll be in a worse position than we are now. Even though it may appeal more broadly, we've, we've also got that discus thrower who can cross yeah. both sports. So he and he's over there already. Like we could just give him some clubs. He could. <laughs> <laughs> Another gold for Australia. There's a reason yeah. to uh, to do it. Does that cheapen golf a long drive? Like, because it's not golf, is it? Uh, no. Look, I, long drive. I, I don't, I don't think a- so. No, I think long drive should be given more legitimacy. How radical could you get? Do you reckon? Scott Hen threw up the idea a few years ago, and I actually think it's got some merit that you play one of those uh, four different formats over four days. Ideas, and one of them is Ambrose. The last round, preferably scramble notion of and that would fit the team format perfectly yeah well, you could you could yeah. you could do it as almost like a as a golf decathlon you could have all the different sort of elements of golf that add up to the teams getting a score or to be complex so that idea rod you speak about trying to keep it simple probably falls out the door but um you could you could add different elements to it where you've got the current players competing in a long drive thing in men's and women's for points that go towards their team total and it would make it certainly different. Um, whether or not that further alienates the top players, I don't know, but it's something like Ambrose would be great to see. You know, imagine Nelly Corder, Jessica Corder, Colin Morikara and Xander Schoflan and Ambrose mm. team. I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah, so would I. And I suspect non-golfers would see the appeal that is quite simple. Everybody hits, pick the best one, everyone hits again. That's really quite, and then the scoring is outrageous. You'd see some incredible, extraordinary shots. You always do in that shark shootout when they have the the scramble day. Crazy scoring and extraordinary shots played. So I could certainly see some appeal to that. And I think for the golf audience, I think the golf audience is open to accepting something that's not standard. In fact, they're almost yearning for something that's not seventy-two hole stroke play. Whether that's too radical for for most, that you'd have to find that out. But Certainly, I think some exploration needs. As it stands, did the men's golf competition, we're on day two of the women's golf competition as we speak today, so we don't don't know what the outcome is there. As it stands, did the men's golf competition do enough to warrant golf's not guaranteed to stay in the games? Uh, are we assuming it's going to be in the games from now on? Has it done enough in the IOC's eyes? I did read one story. I think it was in Lynch's piece, the IOC guy who – Paul Casey came over and chatted to him on the course, and he thought that was, well, you can do that any week at golf, my friend. You just have to go to a golf tournament. But I get the point he was making. Did golf do enough to keep itself in the games? Like, will it be there next time? Oh, I think it will be. I think it's established for, you know, a good decade or so now. Um, the, and apparently the host com- country has some say. Oh, it's complicated. In- the Olympics <laughs> is the only thing in the world more complicated than the world golf rankings. Yeah, and- the and golf has at least been confirmed for the next three Olympics, I think. So um, that's it brings something for the IOC. I would think. I mean, we don't have another Tiger Woods yet, but the presence of people like Rory McIlroy in the field certainly brings prestige to the games. You would think. I mean, we all know that when they first mooted this idea of bringing golf back to the games, the whole point was to try and get Tiger Woods to the Olympics. It's never happened, and it's never going to happen. Uh, so you just wonder whether. You know, golf's got enough pull because it's it's more than a demonstration sport is the thing, isn't it, Jimmy? And a lot of people will look, this is one point that Lynch did make. If skateboarding's in, then golf has a place. I'm not sure that's quite – that. there's a bit of a false equivalence going on there, but it's a, it's a reasonable point in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it does – it has its place, and, and I don't think the men's event did any harm to it. No. Um, the amount of the players, Paul Casey saying, oh, the guys who skipped – I'm going to tell them they've made a mistake sort of thing. And like Mark Leishman appears to have had his most enjoyable week on a golf course all year. So there's something there that makes it worthwhile. Is um, that because I- they're at one of the biggest events in the world? And I talked to Clates about this. He went to 2016 and he was a skeptic before he went. Of course they like it. It's yeah, not of course the they like it. I'm not I sure mean, it's the golf. It, it, and <laughs> You're at it, the Olympics. It doesn't change the facts of the no, thing at exactly all. Right. They're having the experience of their lives. Of course they like it. The they're among the, the few people in the world who could afford to go to the Olympics themselves. Yeah, they could I, I would love it. If I, <laughs> just let me go. I'd love it. Would you go to the golf? 
Yeah, for sure. If you went, yeah. yeah, I think I would too. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Is, is there an answer? Who knows? Uh, but I certainly think that it needs to be tweaked. I think that's here's, yeah. I think so. here's one tweak. It needs some element of the rules that causes a catastrophic equipment failure <laughs> to be you're out, like you're disqualified. <laughs> talk, because talk that's an essential that. element talk of every that. Olympic sport is your pole can break in pole vault, your bike handlebars can just come off. We saw that the other day. That about. Yeah, like just someone can drop a baton and you're, you're stuffed. That's False it. Your start, Olympics is over. Four years Four years wasted. of work is done. Like- this one event that you've got, this is your Grand Slam and somebody drops the bloody baton and yeah. you're out. And it's, it happened two people behind. You didn't even get a chance to run your leg. They dropped <laughs> exactly. it two people ago and you're out. Exactly. You're all pumped up and then your shoulders just slump and you walk off. the. It's like oh, a marshal comes and gets you off. Like, uh, you know. So maybe, maybe we need a golf relay where they share a set of clubs and they've got to pass them over with speed. So there could yeah. be the dropping the bag and you've got to go up and pick back up the putter that fell out. It's, you know, yeah. it's a whole thing. And if you stuff up any part of that, you're out. Like, and That's yeah, it, yeah, some no marshal, second chances. You're done. Some completely nondescript marshal just shuffles out onto <laughs> the fairway and just course. marches you off. Yeah, with the, here, they've got a clip bat, uh, clipboard. Here we are trying to improve on. golf in the Olympics and you just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> yeah. What did you say in a text thread like, do the other sports know that golfers get to make bogeys and keep playing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to keep that quiet. The other, uh, the other sports dude. will be on to you. Uh-huh. You can break a driver in the act of making a swing and you get another one. John, well, yeah, John right. Sendon did, didn't he? That, that was that bizarre thing that happened to him when his shaft broke under the grip there all that, uh, all that time ago. Having said all that, I do. Well, let's first talk, let's quickly wrap up the men's. So, a lot of people thought the most exciting thing in the men's was the seven way playoff for bronze. You in agreement, Jimmy? Yeah, I, it probably was. I mean, Rory Sabatini's 61 on Sunday was pretty exciting if you were watching it. That was that was seriously good golf. So, uh, and, and Schofley having to, you know, make a par down the last to win was was good. But the the theatre of seven for one medal was was pretty cool. And and the idea of third meaning something at a golf tournament is unique. So that probably brings in an element that I quite enjoyed that isn't there normally. You know, you tell a golfer they came third week in week out. All they care about is that they made a little Much. bit more money. How big was yeah. the purse? That's right. And, and from what I understand, CT Pan did make some good money out of his third place. But um, yeah, that that playoff was good. You had just mayhem. They didn't. They're standing on that tee, not knowing if they're going in four and three and all that sort of stuff. There was they should have gone something off in happening. A seven there was, ball. I don't don't get. Yeah, they should have gone off in a seven ball. I think too. But six ridiculous. Um, the four ball had to yeah. wait up at the green for the other guys to finish. Well, what's yeah. Just doesn't make and you and you're trying to work out what's going on with the other guys and all that sort of stuff. It's it's got to be direct, but um, I, that was the best part of the week. But only because it created a bit of excitement that the golf course probably failed to pr- provide the rest of the week. So so it, it soared to the heights of a seven way <laughs> playoff for third. <laughs> However, what <laughs> if it had been like, for the that's gold? About as what if it had been the gold, gold logo? What if it had been the goal? Oh, the yeah. Be, would have been everything? exciting. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. like any tournament, seven-way playoff for the win in any tournament's pretty exciting. But, yeah, playing for third to me, that's about as innovative as the, the, the Stableford event that's on for the pros this week. Like, it's something a little bit different, so we got excited by it. Wow. Um, I was genuinely excited by Rory Sabatini, though, because that run. doesn't happen in golf no. where somebody – has a five-year, ten-year plan, or whatever long he's been scheming this. That was like three years or something, right? Three years, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where somebody's been scheming something and then Pays off. makes the performance happen. It just doesn't happen with no form at all. And at his age, he made it happen. You just That doesn't happen in golf. Now, can it genuinely do something for golf in Slovakia who have a very talented young girl in Pia Babnik making her way on the Ladies European Tour and you would expect one day she'll end up on the L.E.T.? All jokes aside, and, you know, we know it's been a running joke for a number of years, does it do potentially something for golf in a place where golf really isn't a traditional sport? Jimmy, it's probably likely to have more impact there than if a similar thing had happened and he'd played for Australia. I, I think so. I think it, it could be quite big. I, I, don't, I don't know the golfing landscape of Slovakia too well, I must be honest. Um, but I, I believe it's his the best brother players, Rory the head of- That's <laughs> <laughs> all I know. Um, I believe his brother-in-law is the the head of the uh, golf foundation over there, and so there'll be a big push with it. And I'm sure people were watching because 
it's not like it's a guy who's come over to play for Australia and we just get another chance of getting a medal. Slovakia is not winning many medals. So, if they're going to win a medal, they're going to be excited about it, you'd imagine. And it it should give golf a push. And I'm sure there is young golfers coming up. And um, I did like someone mentioned that that, uh, you know, playing on the last couple of holes there to try and get a medal was the most pressure he'd felt since trying to win the World Cup for South Africa in 2003. But <laughs> it, 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 it surely will have a an upside for, for golf over there, which if it does, that that gives the Olympic golf a lot of credo in my mind. We see in Australia, don't we, Lo, when somebody performs in a discipline that we're not normally strong in it, it does attract attention, doesn't it? You would think the same for Slovakia. Golf is not something that they would expect to be performing well in. For one of their golfers to win a medal, you would expect would be a big deal and actually would get a lot of publicity. Yeah, look, I, I hope it does. Yeah, good on Slovakia. I've got nothing but positives, I think, for that whole Rory Sabatini situation. I think it's Indeed. I think it's wonderful for him um, and it's just extraordinary. It, as a like golfers look at that and should think to themselves, how did he do it? Like, <laughs> did he do it? Just, what sport cannot- can I switch countries and get a start in? If I was yeah. playing the PGA Tour, I'd be looking in my uh, in my history to find out where else I could go. Well, that'd be well. Would you? <laughs> Most of the PGA Tour players aren't really that keen on the Olympics. We've already established that, including several of the world's very best players. Yeah, but but the guys at the level of probably not Sabatini. I mean, he's had a really good career when you actually look at it. All jokes aside, but that sort of even guys who are consistently playing on the PGA Tour and Australians, I mean, there'd be Australian guys who realise, hey, I'm never going to play the Olympics. Scott Hen's not going to get another chance. But if he could find a way to play for another country, I'm sure he would because, like we said, the Olympics is a great, great experience. And Sabatini is a good example of, hey, if I show up, there's only 59 other players in the field. Yeah. And if I have I'm a day, <laughs> I could I can change my life. Yeah, that's right. Because I've only got to be another can six. you can you imagine the uh, can you imagine the the net income benefits of doing Sportsman's Day as a guy who won a medal in a in Olympic Games? Like yeah. there's there's and you get exemptions, I think, into some fields as a as an Olympic medalist. So okay, I didn't realize that. It's it's a worthwhile exercise if you're that sort of one rung down. We don't. There see- is one way. Sorry. I think golf. You touched on something there, Jimmy, which I think is is one method that golf can use to identify a better winner. I shouldn't say better. <laughs> identify what people consider to be a worthy winner each week or at, for these big events at least is just have a very restricted field. And I, I guess we'll probably talk about WGCs a little bit later as well with the PGA Tours announcement. But um, that you know, part of the challenge of golf is that we have fairly big fields and any given week anybody can win. If you just get really down to like a very tight invitational, you can kind of control that factor. Like a Premier Golf League, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> kind of. Um, but there's something to be said for re- invitational, like restricted field events that um, and and better venues. Like we know that there's there's a few little dials that we can turn in golf. That Are you on the get- PGL payroll, Logue? <laughs> Is this what's happened? No, not at all. No, I, I, I think there's a logic to having restricted fields though for these big events. Uh, and it, look, it works for the Masters. You, you generally identify, but, but where do you better golf where do you Masters. where do you restrict to? I mean, that's <laughs> the better players. That's why I was <laughs> terms and conditions. But is- Logue says he has no solutions. He's only here to point out the problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you've got Jimmy to sign the terms and conditions. That's exactly right. Uh, but that's exactly the sort of thing that leads to what the PGL are proposing. And I think it's flawed because what it does do, apart from a couple of times, I'm for it for the Olympics. Uh, the reason the reason I would put the Open above the Masters is because it's an open event. The chance for lesser player, quote unquote, to perform on that stage is much greater in bigger fields, and it also sorts out the best more. If, if you can't beat all 155 of the other players, are uh, you really the best player? So, I think golf, golf is so fluky, though. Like you just, but it all, your yeah, form is so fluky. Wasn't fluky for Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus hasn't been fluky for Phil Mickelson. Only um, when you view their career in total. So, like perhaps the fairest competition in golf is like the Varden averages at the end of the year or something like that. You know, that's that's the, sort the of Olympic thing. gold. Just hand that out once every yeah. four years at the Olympics. No golf, just yeah. hand out the trophy. I, uh, I think the Varden averages are really underrated. As, of course they are. A measure. Yeah. Let's move on. You have none of these issues with the women 
at the Olympics, Jimmy. They seem from the outside that every single one of the world's best players is determined to get to the Olympics, much more so than what we see with the men's game. Any thoughts on why that might be the case? And does it make watching this week's event more interesting? Isn't isn't that the case with everything in golf that the the women do a far better job of embracing things? They seem to certainly appreciate what they've got much more. There's less yeah. less entitlement than you see in the men's game. It, it it got a big boost in the fact that the first go at Rio, most of them showed up, and the three medalists were three of the best players on the planet. I mean, the, you look back at that, and they're playing the first two rounds in Tokyo together in B Park. Shan Shan Feng and and Lydia Ko is that's a quality podium. So, um, I'm not sure why they embrace it more, but it, it really does add a different vibe to the whole week. Um, you, you watch the players and it, and it looks like a, a really good at golf event and it's easier to get excited about it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they're more grateful for every opportunity they get. They're more grateful for a big stage. Um, you know, the, the majors are a, are a big thing in the LPGA Tour, but they don't get the coverage of the Masters and the US Open. So, they really appreciate a chance to play in front of a worldwide audience and, and to represent their countries is a is a big thing on the LPGA Tour. That, that international crown was a big event mm. because they got to play for their country. So, um, and, and, and the best players have bought in. So, it filters down. We all know that. If, if, the, if the top male players bought in, it would filter down because golf yeah. pros in the end are- copiers of the other ones. You just got to look at their equipment. They follow with the guys that have success. So it'd be Coaches, similar with the Olympics. Diets, yeah. the whole thing, it all yeah. come, comes up for it. Alec Whitaker raised something I think it speaks directly to that. Like one of the great temptations when you have a men's event followed immediately the week after on the same course by a women's event. We see this at the Vic Open as well, where it's a mixed event. We saw it in Northern Ireland last week with a mixed event. We had the two fields competing on the same course. You get all of this kerfuffle about the scores and um, does it show the women in a poor light because they play the game differently? Ali, Ali sent out a tweet, having walked one of the practice rounds, concerned that the scoring would be crazy high. I never feel that way about it, but I, I suspect she makes a point that there will be a lot of people out there making comparisons. Is that fair? How do we get around that as an issue? The scoring will be different this week to what we saw last week. Yeah, I thought Ali raised a good point. No doubt you'll put that tweet in the show notes as well. Of course, uh, show notes are filling but, uh, up fast. I, I thought she raised a good point. She didn't necessarily come to conclusions that I agree with there, as you said, but perhaps she was expressing conclusions that other people would reach. Um, but the the ultimate sort of response to it was, uh, you know, from Mike Clayton, who just said simply, look, it's not the women's game that needs to change, it's the men's game that needs to be more like the women's game. And uh, that's just so true. Um, but, you know, we've seen it here in the, the mixed events that we've had here. We're walking around Bonnie Doon trying to work out how they could best set that course up to make it more equitable. And there's this push and pull. It's a similar thing, although they're playing, you know, different weeks. It's the same golf course. There's this push and pull between do you put the tees forward enough so that they're hitting from the same spot in the fairway because that's where the fairway hazards are for a start. That's, you know, that's where the strategy, the course comes into play but then they're hitting vastly different clubs into the green. Or do you try and set it up so that they're hitting similar clubs into the green, but then the women might be you know, blasting it over the fairway hazards and things like that. So it's somewhere in between, or it's a mix of one approach on one hole and then alternate the holes or something like that. We're not getting it right in those mixed events, and I, I assume we won't get it right in this event um, to everybody's satisfaction. Um, but that's – and, you know, something's going to be different. The scores are going to be different or the clubs they hit are going to be different. So, uh, that's – it's, it's unsolvable until the men's yeah. equipment can be rolled back. And so. that doesn't necessarily change things completely. The course this week, the Kasuma Gaseki Country Club will play. I just wanted to say that because I'd like to say it a couple of weeks ago. So, this is my last chance probably. I won't get a chance to say it too many more times. 800 mm. yards shorter – for the women this week, Jimmy, does that just automatically fix everything? It seems to me the more of the issues are about the course setup, how firm the greens are, how thick the rough is. There are differences between even the top men's and women's players in uh, strength, swing speed, club head speed, ball flight, the amount of spin they generate. It's not just about yardage, is it? No, it's, it's not simply a case of trying to dictate what clubs you put in their hands. That's 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 not the way to, to set up a golf course for a golf tournament. Um, so... 
it's a very difficult balance when you're playing one consecutively after the other because you set up the golf course for the first week or the second week and you can't widen you, the fairways no, you <laughs> in can, between you, week you one can, and two and you can't head out with a mower and just and just fix up some mowing lines that you want for one not the other um look clates is 100 percent right that the women's game has a lot more to it that is worthwhile that the men's game could learn from. Uh, Ali's complaint, for those who didn't see it, was that she'd seen a lot of players hitting hybrids and four irons into the green. So it's telling straight away that a former touring pro and Ali finds that confronting. Touring yeah. pros generally find it confronting that they might be asked to hit several four or five irons to a green in a round. You can argue about the rights and the wrongs of that, but it's entitlement's the wrong word, but there's an expectation amongst touring professionals of both genders that their second shots to par fours will rarely be a four or five iron or anything of that length. Well, but, you know, you, you see that and you think, oh, yeah, it's going to play a bit tougher, but Madeline Sagstrom goes out and shoots five under the first day. Hannah Green only hits eight greens and still shoots even par. They're not – it's it's not a, – a US Open didn't break out at the Olympics. No. So, yeah, it, yes, that's a, that's a tour pro response that we want to hit the same clubs because – that's what they did, and uh, everyone compares us. That's the issue that yes. people are going to watch last week and watch this week and compare the two. Um, I know which one I'd prefer to watch. So, uh, it's probably more about the messaging. Maybe Ali's doing the commentary. Maybe it's about the messaging during the coverage that, you know, this is why they're hitting different clubs, and this is why people actually enjoy it more because it's a it's a more of a challenging thing, and, and golf is a challenge, and we want to watch the people who are the best in the world at it rise to the challenge because the best player will identify themselves. And if you are at home and you're thinking that there's some reason to compare the scores between the two events, don't. They're two completely different events, completely different fields, and the scores have no relevance to each other. What role does the course play in all of this, Logue? Oh, Rio was a fabulous TPC course. Tokyo. Kasumigasuki is a very nicely <laughs> mown piece of land, and non-golfers would certainly turn on and go, that looks beautiful. And I suspect non-golfers probably turned on the Rio Olympics and thought, oh, that looks a bit rough and ready, Maybe. whereas golf architecture nerds go, oh, Rio, fantastic. Kasumigasuki, not an ideal ad for the game. What role does that play in having golf in the Olympics? And who's, yeah. well, I suppose that's whose goals are we trying to achieve here, the IOCs or golfs? I think there's some – like if you ask a child to draw a dog – They'll draw a dog-shaped dog. And didn't there's some. This. There, I, I really didn't some, expect this, but this is good. There's some dogs that are dog-shaped, right? Like there's, you know, it, they're the sort of oh, shaped dog up. that a child would draw when they're drawing a dog-shaped dog. This is a golf course-shaped golf course. It's like what I think a child imagines a golf course should look like. And it's just, it's a golf-shaped Golf course shaped golf course. It's just I don't think there's anything more to be said about it. It looks that's boring. I, there's better venues in 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 Japan. Um, it, I understand that you can only like it's very good at hosting big events. This place, but yeah, it does. I don't think it does anything to showcase golf. It just it looks like a golf course. I think that's that's the best you can say about it. I can't believe I'm gonna, that is magnificent. Once now that you've finished that thought, that is magnificent, and I can't, I cannot add any more to it. Nor do I want to detract anything from it. So I'll say no more of it. I think you've nailed it, absolutely beautifully. Did you have anything to add to you before we move on? Or sorry, oh, sorry. go. <laughs> I, I I just like the idea that we think that's that this whole idea of architecture in golf is unique to our element of the Olympics. I'm sure people who are into the skateboarding look mm -hmm. at the the park and go, oh, that's not – yeah, 100% because I don't know. the way the, the bowl is set up and the way the man – cool. I'm sure they think, Isn't oh, that just a be big pool. They just emptied a big pool, didn't they? They found somebody's <laughs> pool and emptied it. It'd be a pretty flash pool if that's someone's look, pool cool. just been uh, empty. <laughs> the skateboarding – we just have to touch on this. The skateboarding was so cool. And yeah, absolutely. And that 13-year-old – uh, girl from England who people are going to see that or, you know, if you're if you're a little girl and you see that 13-year-old from England absolutely being so super cool and kicking ass in that skateboarding versus switching on the golf with the stupid uniforms they gave them and, uh, and you know, just sort of walking through a park. Not all stupid, in fairness. Some of the uniforms were quite nice. The Australian uniforms weren't, weren't terrific. But are you saying, Logue, in all seriousness, we're now going to see a huge uptick in skateboarding? Uh, not necessarily. But, look, it, as far as the, the objective of having a sport in the Olympics so that it cuts through to people that aren't familiar with that sport, there's no doubt skateboarding did that and rock climbing did that as well. 
I've been well, that, I've been more more willing to get my skateboard out than I have to get my golf clubs out since statistically the don't at your age don't statistically it's not a good idea and the next time we see you can't do the full lockdown on crutches that's not going to be any good Jimmy so don't get the skateboard out that's what I'm telling you you've passed that age you're young but you've passed that age trust me uh, any medical professional will tell you. Does that not, though, point, Logue, to something quite important? Golf is different to other sports. It doesn't have the running, the sweating, the body contact, the constant moments of excitement and the game lasts for 80 minutes or whatever it might be. It's not supposed to be that. So why would you want to be saying that it doesn't showcase what skateboarding does, therefore it doesn't belong? Uh, well, it just gets back to those earlier arguments like, you know, if they fall over in the skateboard, they're out. You know, <laughs> you kind of need some sort of penalty. I mean, that's, I think, what people associate with an Olympic sport is these quicker hits. It's not something that the one medal takes four days to win. There are a couple equestrian. of other events like that. In, yeah, there's a couple of other events. But, you know, equestrian, again, doesn't doesn't cut. Well, they give out multiple medals in equestrian throughout the course. It's not dissimilar the, sport to golf, certainly in the way it's viewed. I always think of equestrian as being a rich person sport. If you own a horse and somewhere to keep it, well, you're doing better than me. Yeah. <laughs> so, all people have golf clubs in the cupboard. No, no one's no one's got a horse in the backyard that they just use occasionally. You don't? <laughs> a, no, well, I don't anyway. That's for sure. I've always thought surfing's quite a good um, parallel to golf. It's an individual pursuit. You yeah. play it on a very wide range of, of uh, you know, uh, huge arenas. Huge, cross- uh, huge crossover uh, between the two as well. Very much. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there's a similar tour. But then surfing – comes across a little bit better as an Olympic sport, again, I think, because it's you can kind of turn it on for 10 minutes well, and understand what's going on. But it's well, there's a head-to-head element too. It's head-to-head, I yeah. think that's, that's quite yeah, important. But there's a judgment too, isn't it? Isn't it scored by judges who decide? Yeah, that's One right. of the great things about golf is you know, the score is the score. Um, you know, as long as you haven't cheated to get there, well, then it's pretty clear who's who's had the best score. I just had a great saying just came through. Maybe it's a hashtag we need to start. Like, There's no bogeys in track and field. No, there's not. <laughs> you might need to workshop that. Yeah. That's all right. No, it's the basis of an idea. Yeah, yeah. There's no bogey one thing, in real sports. One thing that golf should take away <laughs> from, from that's right. No bogey one, in skateboarding, that's for sure. One thing that golf should take away from the Olympics is the uh, there, there's absolutely very consistent gender labelling of the two events in golf, men's Olympic golf tournament and the women's Olympic golf tournament. And that's just consistent with every other sport in the Olympics. Every single other, like the men's 100-metre relay and the women's 100-metre relay. It just, nobody ever um, forgets to, like, make, the, nobody ever makes the men's the default and, you know, forgets to say it's the there's men's 100-metre relay. Yeah, there's the 100 metres and then there's the women's 100 metres. That's not how it is, is it? That right. doesn't, it just doesn't happen in other sports in the Olympics. And it's a wake-up to golf that, these other sports have reached that level of maturity that it just it sounds so jarring it would sound incredibly jarring if you heard that in athletics or in swimming but in golf we just we slip into it ever so easily and olympics is the one time in you know every four years when we're forced to um we're confronted with the gender labeling of men and uh and it's no problem at all you know, we consistently do it all week and then we instantly forget it the moment the Olympics is over and it's straight into the US Open and the Women's US Open. Seemingly small well, we've issue got, with, significant, with significant implications. Jimmy? We, we've got it ongoing while the Olympics is happening. You've got the US Women's Amateur this week and then you've got the US Amateur next week. Yeah. Wow. It, it, yeah. it, I mean, we, and that's, we fall again, out of it straight a governing away. Body, a governing yeah. body is running that. And, you know, you, it comes across in every part of the way they run those tournaments in the domain names, in, you know, the hashtags on social media, everything. It just And it's not that you can't change the terms because we went from all square to tied and that was a step backwards and from hazards <laughs> to penalty areas. Yes, and, you know, the language right. is easy to change. Well, you've just got to look at, at the Open. I mean, the Open's always been the Open, yes, but it, it was not that long ago where it was called the British Open by more people than it is now. Mm-hmm. And they've changed the language by a, a strong messaging from the RNA, particularly to push it along and Next get the step. language right. So it's open. It's yeah. the height of arrogance, isn't it? Just calling it the open. When you think about it, just take take a step back and have a look at it. Is the height of arrogance? Yeah, absolutely. Something to think about. Uh, which brings us neatly to a little segue here. So we had an announcement during the week, Jimmy, about the PGA Tour European Tour Alliance. Can we read anything into the fact that they chose to drop this little nugget in the middle of the Women's Olympic Golf Competition? Was that necessary? 
Well, I found that disappointing personally. Uh, it just it doesn't it doesn't do anything to help the women's game, which both tours are supposedly invested in helping. Um, publicly said that it, he, it, haven't they both? The PGA Tour has publicly said last year he was they were forming some sort of a strategic partnership with the LPGA. Keith Pelly yep. certainly done that with the Ladies European Tour. Yep. And that and that doesn't show that, but I'm assuming there is a reasoning for the timing based on number one. There was quite a lot of detail about the scheduling for the PGA Tour going forward. Um, the other reason it's on this week is this week's their main sponsor in the PGA Tour and FedEx event on the PGA Tour. So they always make a big song and dance each week when they're in Memphis at a FedEx sponsored event because FedEx obviously likes it that way as the people who give them the eye watering amount of cash for the FedEx Cups. Um, but perhaps there was some noise that something was coming out of the Premier Golf League in the next week or so and they wanted to get ahead of it because so far the PGA Tour and European Tour have looked reactive uh, to the Premier Golf League. I think they wanted to look proactive in in putting something out there and, and knocking the PGL off, but it, surely it could have waited till Sunday. next week. Surely it could have been done. Yeah, Sunday's clear. Um, yeah. It could have been last week. Uh, yep. during the men's competition, given they're both men's tours, and you get some comment from Xander Schofley as he's sitting on the on the mm-hmm. press table on Sunday. It, it just it makes no sense to to run it this week when uh, you know all eyes should be on the women's golf. But we know that's not clear because the PGA Tour is technically putting on two events this week, and the European Tour is putting on one event this week. So they're not they're supporting, but they're not really pushing it in front to to have the women uh, get all the attention this week. Are they serious, Logue, the two main men's tours of the world about providing some leg up and assistance to the women's game or are they ticking boxes and this shows it? Yeah, I think the support that we've seen so far has been fairly performative. The, the what have, what have we seen? Support, what what yeah, have the, we seen? The, can you point to what we've seen? There's an announcement. Not said anything. Yeah. Coming. Nothing else has come. Nothing. T- nothing material that I've seen. So, and look, there may be a lot of sharing of resources behind the scenes that we don't know about. There may be some financial help behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, I guess we just don't know. But uh, in ways that it seems to count, we're not seeing support publicly. So, deliberate move by the PGA Tour and European Tour to make this announcement this week or just another example of never gave a thought to the fact that the women's- Ten years, I think. I think it's just tone deaf. Yeah. I think it's just- it, it probably has its reasons. Like I said, FedEx probably dictates to them that they want to announce it during the FedEx St. Jude and all that sort of stuff. Would anybody in the room have brought that up? Would anybody in the room have said, oh, guys, well, the Women's Olympics is on us. We've got to make a decision, but that's got to be one of the factors. There's a lot of people that work for the PGA Tour, so you would have- A lot less than they did this time, this time 2019. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> you, you would hope someone does. Yeah. Uh, well, you've got to wonder though, don't you? But you, you do have to wonder if anybody in a European Tour or a PGA Tour weekly roundup to talk about plans for the next week or anything always has the LPGA Tour schedule in front of them and says, oh, hey, maybe we shouldn't run it that week because the women are playing X or there's a big, there's something happening there. But it, it wouldn't surprise you that no one brought it up and no one's particularly, you know, worried about the fact that they so, did this week. So, should we be surprised that a heavy hitter in the game would just ignore the women's schedule completely in the interest of pushing their own barrow, a la Augusta National and the Augusta National Women's Amateur, the same week as the women's first major of the year. I don't think <laughs> we should be surprised. Yeah, uh, calls disappointed. them out. I've called them out each of the last two years on that, and all I've had is pushback from people who I thought would know better, saying, "Hey, what are you talking about? They should be thankful that they get to play. We should be yeah. applauding Augusta National for hosting the women." That's partly true, but the way they've done it is suspect at best. Yeah, I, I think that Augusta National is – it's a bit more nuanced in terms of it's a private members club and in terms of they decide what they want to do um, and, and when they want to run things and how long they want to have their golf course closed off to tournament play and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I do think that's it's, – it's certainly not an ideal situation to run it against the ANA, but uh, it's very – it's a very different thing when you've got – Two is just making an announcement. This isn't holding an event. This is just making an announcement, making some noise. I mean, it, 
it it probably would have got a little bit buried if they did it on Sunday, sure. Um, that's when tournaments finish. That's when the closing ceremony is. There's a lot to get it not covered. But the announcement wasn't for the general public. The announcement was for the players so that they don't go signing a PGL contract. So, it doesn't matter when it happens. And the announcement's not the news. The next year's schedule will unfold. The announcement's not what it's about. The schedule is the schedule. So, given all of that, Jimmy, let's put all the criticism of all that aside and us, you know, seeing the moustache twirlers in the back room deliberately going about doing nasty things to the LPGA. What was in the announcement? Anything interesting? I saw a few headlines. I haven't had a chance to read much. Alistair Tate called it disappointing, I think. Um, doesn't seem to have grabbed a whole lot of people's attention. What, what are the nuts and bolts of what's been announced? Uh, there's there's a lot in the announcement. I can tell you, it's a the the, the a lot of words. press release. A press release is a big one. Um, the European tour schedule doesn't have anything in there because it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, it had bits and pieces of the PJ tour schedule for the upcoming year or two, and it, it sort of. Look, the main focus has been on the Scottish Open because it's now co-sanctioned the week before the Open. Uh, that's great. Uh, the Scottish Open's a great event and it will hopefully boost the field and it's got FedEx Cup points. But the rest of it was all a bit strange. You know, the Irish Open the week before the Scottish Open is going to have a $6 million purse, but it's not co-sanctioned. So, that's clearly just a... Uh, Eamon Lynch, again, wrote a really good piece about it overnight where he sort of said that looks like a just a, a, a sign to the European tour players of look what's going to happen in the future. You guys are going to play for more cash because PGA Tour players aren't skipping a PGA Tour event to go play the Irish Open, then the Scottish Open, then the Open. And, you know, three weeks away from home playing Lynx Golf, they, they're probably not going to be likely to go over and play that, particularly if there's no FedEx Cup points at, in Ireland. So, uh, that was interesting. And then... I think it's 50 European tour players will, players will get starts in the opposite field events mm -hmm. to the Scottish Open and the Open. Uh, that's just a bit of a gift to them, I think, as, hey, this is worth your while because you can come over and play for two weeks in smaller events, somehow nab a win and you've got a PJ Tour start. So and Bigger uh, that events could than be what they, they play on the European Tour most weeks, in fairness. Yeah, well, and, I mean, the, the opposite field events be, in the US are better than the regular field events in, in Europe many times. The upside for that is for a young player, if you think of a young Australian who's not in the Open and they play in Europe, let's go with Maverick Antcliffe as, to throw a name out there. He goes across and plays in, you know, whatever the event is for the PJ Tour and he wins. He's got a PJ Tour card. That's great. But the other side of it is a journeyman European tour player goes over there and plays who somehow has the week of his life and has a, a win and he gets status. Um, but current European tour players are better than it going through the career money list for those opposite field events as it currently does and everyone looking through the, the start list that week and going, how the hell does that guy get a start? Well, because Rod Murray was next on the list because no one else wants to pick it up. So... Uh, but, yeah, there, there was plenty of detail in the announcement and uh, about opportunities both ways, but detail was pretty pretty scarce. Uh, they may not that's know themselves, Jimmy, in all honesty. This feels to me, Logue, like a flag-raising exercise. So, let's skip ahead. In 10 years' time, what starts here, what does that look like? Do we have the world tour that so many have suggested? There's a UK swing of the PGA Tour. I mean, we know that the PGA Tour is the stronger of the two entities, and in any mutual arrangement, they are going to always be the stronger of the two entities. So, essentially, we're talking about a PGA Tour, ultimately a takeover of the European Tour. Mm. Is that what you yeah. see? And is that a good thing for golf? I, I think that's um, where it's headed. Uh, it, I think a, a World Tour would be a good thing for golf, but not run by the PGA Tour. I, I don't trust them. Then who? Um, you have been bought off by the Premier Golf League, haven't you? <laughs> How much and why haven't I seen any of this filthy loot? <laughs> I'd be interested to see what's coming out from them in the next couple of weeks because clearly or I think they they projected a, a few months ago that around about now they would be making some announcements. I think it was around team owners or like the, the team principals is the term they used. And I, I always thought that was going to be a very interesting thing. It'll be interesting to see if that's what's coming up. If the PGA Tour has had some forewarning of some announcements, perhaps some player signings, and as you said, they're trying to get out in front of it, 
it'll be easier to comment on this in a few weeks anyway, I think. But, yeah, trying to project forward 10 years, it's pretty clear that if the PGA Tour controls the European Tour, then they can suppress it and pick and choose and, and, yeah, bring things like back into the States. And we might end up right back where we started, but without the, the European Tour. So... If it's um, as simple as, Logue, if it's as simple as Keith Pelly essentially had a choice to make, he could align with the PGL, we know that overtures were made, or he could align with the PGA Tour, and he's chosen the PGA Tour, has he done the right thing for golf? Now, his charter is the European Tour and its players and getting bigger purses and more tournaments for them to play for, as is the PGA Tour's charter. But has he fulfilled... A broader responsibility to golf has he made the right decision? Is the PGA Tour a preferable entity to the PGL or certainly the Super League? None of these people are the preferable entity. <laughs> it's like, the, the, and the PGL, like the main criticism against the PGL is who wants those idiots running it or, you know, the, these rich blokes just come in and run it. Um, and we're not talking about the Saudis, we're talking about the, the so called break off PGL. Um, that they're not the best people to run it. It's really the governing bodies would probably be the best people to run it, but they're just not set up for this sort of thing. The ones you just criticised for course set up at the US Open, wasting water on the rough, yeah, using yeah. terms like US Women's Amateur and US Amateur, those governing bodies? Yeah, shame on them for that. But <laughs> look, they're, they're basically, though, in it for the good of golf. They're, it's a lot less conflicted when it comes to their motivations about the decisions they make. And, uh, We've seen how they react in a commercial marketplace, Logue, with manufacturers and the distance discussion and technology. They're getting there. Are they the best people? They're our only hope, Rod. They're our only hope. I agree with you, but it's fairly bleak when you break it down, isn't it? Are we, uh, are we just old blokes? I'm not suggesting they run the tours. It would be a no. bit of a nightmare, but it's – have, have a much more involvement in, in influencing the tours and, and the way it's structured, I think. But again, it's still it's just professional it. golf. It's just like this tiny percentage of the whole of golf. Um, do you know how much do we really care? It's it's an entertainment in the end of the day. I, I'm I'm sad. Like sadly, I think I'm sort of fall, falling down to the sort of the jaundiced viewpoint of like well, who cares? Like, let's ask a young person: Are we grumpy old men, Jimmy, uh, or is there are there things to be concerned about with the way professional golf is and is moving? Yeah, it's the. I suppose the interesting part of that whole world tour idea is part of this strategic alliance uh, announcement was that there's less WGC events in the next year. So if we are going towards a world tour. The vehicle the PJ Tour has chosen to create that sort of thing before is gone. So I don't know if that's where we're headed. Um, I don't know that there's any reason to be concerned. Uh, it, it seems like the European Tour had to make a choice one way or the other, and they've made a choice that makes more sense and uh, it is is safer for them, I suppose. Um, look, it 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 might. PJ Tour wash more of the world, which is probably a concern uh, because the European Tour having its own identity has always been important. Um, if they capitalise the word tour in their name, I'll be I'll be seriously worried. That was <laughs> well, my that biggest crazy logo. That it, yeah, you've got to do a breakdown on that actually, Logue. The European Tour, the new logo logo they unveiled last year, it needs the treatment as it's come yeah. to be known. Sorry, yes, Jimmy, you were mid sentence there. Sorry, mate. The the biggest issue with that press release about the strategic alliance was the amount of caps that were running through there. It was horrifying, but <laughs> I don't think there's any concern as to where we're headed. Um, it's 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 adapting to the market that they're playing in. Uh, the PGL created a, a very real sort of a, an alternative for a little while there. I think this will effectively, in the end, finish it off because, you know, the, the two most powerful entities in men's golf coming together and, and really solidifying their relationship, uh, you'd have to be a pretty bold player to go and, and play in some sort of other league if you're, if you're not going to be able to play PJ Tour and European Tour events very easily. So, I, I don't think we need to be worried. I can understand why people are a bit like Logue and a bit, or whatever I, I don't know anymore um handing the keys over to the usga and stuff may not be the best idea though but anyway i can tell you we're well on our way to uh 
seeing the fulfilment of the evolution of Wentworth when it becomes TPC Wentworth. That'll Ooh, be well, it's, it's set up for it nicely now with that par five and the way they've changed that. Like, put that microphone back in the clip and stop touching it because the handling noises are both horrific and time consuming to fix. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going. I'll be very. No, you're not being very. It's careful. not. It's you not think in you're the being clip. Very careful, and you just. Just don't. You're a little. You've missed a little bit there. I think, Jimmy. There's only one most powerful entity in professional golf, and that's money. That is the truth of it. And the PGA Tour and the European Tour, for a long time between them, have had the bulk of it. There's real potential, perhaps less so from the Premier Golf League, though we don't know their finance structure. But certainly, if the Saudi government decides they want to buy golf, they're a good chance to do it because they have enough money to do so professional golf. They can keep writing checks bigger and bigger and bigger than the PGA Tour and the European Tour combined from now until the end of time. So if that's what they decide they really want, that's possible, which then requires the players to buy in. I'm not just saying that just because they've got the money that it'll happen, but I am saying that it's not quite as simple as... And I don't know that... The reason I asked the question about Pelly before... Like, what are you doing there? You sit. You now moved outside, have you? We've got cars a, past. Like a Harley Davidson or something just drove past. <laughs> you hear those horrible noises as you were handling the microphone there? The audience. I'm leaving them in so the audience can know what I put up with every week. The reason I ask, I suppose, about the question about Pelly, like, I wonder whether Keith Pelly would give much thought to the broader good of the game when making a decision like that, assuming he'd have to make some sort of decision like that, which brings us neatly to does professional golf actually care about golf more broadly or is it by definition a totally self-interested group and is there anything wrong with that i mean they've got an answer to their own stakeholders and they've probably got their hands full doing that pga tour in particular i think takes on so much stuff with its you know it, with its charity stuff which is okay it has a very commercial sort of uh feel to every every charity thing they do but um, no doubt they do raise a lot of money. Um, and Give a lot more of it to professional golfers than they do to charity. True. Let's, it, let's not pretend otherwise, which they sometimes try to do. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 a lot of it seems to be performative. But then just in service of their members, they've got their own travel agency in there. That that sort of says it all to me. Like the, there's one or two departments, well, there's probably half a dozen departments in the PGA Tour that just deal with their, their entire companies on their own, like their whole travel agency thing. That my vertical mind integration is that what they call it? Vertical yeah, integration, exactly. Is that yeah, that's right. Yeah. Vertically integrated. Yeah. Um, and you know things like the the pension and things like like that takes enormous resources to manage all of that stuff, and they've become this colossal organization that is trying to do a lot of stuff. And somewhere in there, they're running tournaments as well. Um, and, you know, there's a whole rules division of them. There, there's just the – it's division after division, this big sprawling organisation with um, diverse operational requirements in everything they do. And they run all of that humble office there at Sorbonne. <laughs> Stop it. <It's> <laughs> all that, all the it? stakeholders that they've got to answer to and everything. For them to, on top of that, have some responsibility to golf, I, I feel like – they couldn't do it if they try, if they wanted to, even if they were motivated to. I think they're they just need too to, busy they, trying Jimmy? to satisfy their own stakeholders. PGA Tour doesn't need to grow the game. They don't care how many people are playing. There's always going to be enough to fill the ranks of no, the PGA Tour. Be, yeah. so. There's always going to be enough people playing golf at a, at a high level to, to, to run their business. So, they don't need to worry about growing golf. That's not the concern for them. Um, I that's not what they started to do. They started with the the benefits of their members, the tournament playing professional. Now they've diversified, like Logue says. I mean, when they when they broke off from the PGA of America, I don't think any of the players thought they'd be setting up bars in airports. Sure, but you know that that's where they are because they they made that business decision. But imagine if they yeah, thought I, to grab the Ryder Cup on the way out. Yeah, and the PGA. Yeah, mm. yeah. The, yeah. the only mistakes the only two mistakes they made in hindsight. Yeah, exactly. But to come back to that sort of money concept in this whole PGL debate, it's it's quite interesting that the PGA Tour always played in the we've got more money sort of space to to convince people. They're probably relying a bit more on history for the first time in one of these debates and they've bought a lot of their history, um, but they've also got a horrendous track record of disservicing history by Sam Sneed winning- Five or whatever it is, Wyndham Championships, etc. Isn't it? 
eight eight Wyndham Championships, I should say. Um, so they're going to have to rely on that with the majors and everything like that in 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 opposition to the Saudis throwing money at it. Um, but I think they're in such a strong position uh, that it makes it very difficult for a player to make that call for that obscene amount of money because they already make an obscene amount of money. But it's it's been proven before that golf pros with crazy amounts of money still want more money. So it, it'll be it'll be an interesting thing to watch. But the European Tour probably the pandemic's probably hurt the European Tour more in terms of a financial position than most other tours yep. um, in operation uh, that are still you know functioning regularly. Asian tours non-existent at the moment, and our own tour is very very light on. But the the European Tour went from a really strong position, having had the Rolex events and everything set up to just scrambling. Uh, you've just got to look at the the companies that get multiple tournament uh, cover, uh, sponsorship like the Kazoo Open, etc. that they were in a position. So, they were going to lose a lot of their players to the PGL if the, they couldn't get the PGA Tour players. So, they really needed that, that cash injection the PGA Tour brings. Uh, that assumes that the PGL would have been interested in it. I'm not sure that they necessarily would have. The, the, the biggest mistake the PGL or the Super League could make would be to not be able to get the top players to then go and buy the second tier. That would be just a road yeah. road to failure yeah. because that's exactly what you don't want. What you're trying to do is buy the top tier. The European Tour are a much more expensive tour to run than the PGA Tour as well. A global oh, calendar, yeah. crossing the world multiple times, you know, Middle East, they play almost no golf in Europe these days, uh, including a couple Keith, of events Keith, down here in Australia. Keith Pelly's uh, coloured glasses budget, that's pretty big. Mm. Yeah, now what's he- It should be a Twitter account. Yeah, <laughs> I just saw that tick over in Logue's brain. I wouldn't be surprised if he just leaves it long enough for people to forget he said it, and then it'll bob up on Twitter all of a sudden uh, one day. Is the outlook, final question, is the outlook optimistic or bleak, Logue? Come on, join me. It's bleak, isn't it? Oh, get on board yeah, it's, with bleak. It's bleak. Get on board. There's a hashtag. Get on board with bleak. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's pretty bleak. It's an entertainment, though. It's not it's not going to be what I want it to be. So, by that definition, it's going to be bleak. But, uh, you know, golf will, professional golf will be healthy. Like, it'll it'll be what it is and it'll be an entertainment of sorts. Might entertain people other than you and I necessarily. Jimmy, we've established you're too old for a skateboard. Are you too old for optimism? Uh, a little oh, bit. Oh, he's paused. Oh, he's coming, he's coming along nicely, <laughs> he's isn't he? He's coming across. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still battling with the idea that what Logue wants is is you know for the greater good of the game. I think that's a very questionable. But uh, yeah, I uh, it, it's 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 an entertainment product, as Adrian says. It's a, it, it's going to be what it is, and is it ideal? Probably not. But I don't think the outlook is terrible. Um, and at least the position we're in now shows that. The, the people running the professional game are willing to make changes um, and adapt, which hopefully bleeds into more than just sharing the money and sharing events and we get a bit more excitement out of it because what we've got now is is pretty pretty bland week to week most of the time. So, if it continues down the same path and we just get more, you know, of the same across two tours, it's, it is pretty bleak as a, as a sort of forward outlook. Oh, he's almost there, like We just yeah, got to figure out how to pull him over that last couple of feet and he'll be completely yeah. on our side. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right, Jimmy. Let's wrap it up there. It's a nice place to leave it. As Eamon Lynch said, if you don't find it entertaining, that's fine. Don't go into the town square and get on your soapbox about it. Just jog on, mate. Yeah. Nobody's going to care if we stop watching professional golf, and that's and people who do want to watch it, then good luck to them. I must say I watch a lot less professional golf than I used to. I am going to start watching more of it again because I've Starting to write some of the tournament previews for the magazine, so I've got to get, got to get uh, back in the swing of uh, knowing what's going on. Jimmy, fabulous of you to join us, mate. It was fantastic last time. It was terrific this time as well. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next time you come on. Full of grump. That will be fantastic. Well, if I keep being locked down in my apartment, I might get more and more depressed. If I break my leg skateboarding, I'll be even worse. So right. that, that maybe will be the, the lead. Thanks for having me. Really keep enjoyed staring it. at that moustache of yours in the mirror is not going to help too much either. That is hideous. Shave that off before the lockdown ends. Logue, fabulous to have you along as always. Uh, highlights today for me were the kid drawing the dog. It, I, was a, it was a dodgy start, but my goodness, what a finish. <laughs> I've just got one more thing. 
We've got two days or two or three days of the Olympic women's tournament left. I'm maybe just- cut to 54 holes, they're talking. Storm's expected Saturday oh, okay. and they may be cutting it to 54 holes. Oh, well, this, today. That makes this even more urgent. If you get this edited and out, Rod, we might be able to do something <laughs> that- about this. I'm putting a call out to do something about that commentator who's on the golf. Oh, God, yeah. It, it, it's got to be What's nipped in the bud. Dwayne DeLoca. Uh, Ali is doing a great job. Tony Johnston's doing a great Fabulous. job. But they're getting dragged down by this other bloke, and he's got to be stopped. We've got to nip it in the bud. He's do ruining the Olympics. He's ru- he's hurting golf at this point. <laughs> so <Do> we know <laughs> the Olympics. <laughs> just- Talk about bleak. Um, d- seriously, on a serious note, it undoubtedly has an impact. Commentary is always controversial. There's always someone who hates the commentator. But I think you probably speak for an awful lot of us like when you question his presence on the broadcast, he doesn't seem to have much in the way of golf knowledge, it appears to me. Uh, so that doesn't help. But that doesn't help golf's cause, does it? No, but at least it's a step in the right direction if we can you know, get him off the telecast, get him get him yanked. Doubt it's, it's going to happen in the next two days. But I'm sure he's a lovely bloke, but uh, I just don't, don't underestimate the power of our listeners, Rod. Jo- <laughs> don't it, it, over, it, don't it, overestimate it either. <laughs> it, it it says a bit about the uh, about Channel 7's view of where the golf is that they haven't put in a Australian based commentary team for when they do show the golf because they're not going to show it on the main channels very often. But for the other sports, they do. You know, you you can either watch the international feed or you've got the Aussies, and they're just doing it in Melbourne in a studio. So, Channel 7 didn't want to reach out to any Australian – obviously, we've got Ali Whitaker, who's fantastic, who's there on the world feed. But, she's an international but, commentator, though. Yeah. But she's Australia. international feed, yeah. They didn't reach out because that would make it a lot more watchable to have – you know, we, we've got a lot of good golf commentators here. Sure, they've probably got contracts with other people, but Ewan Porter, for example, if you had him in a studio – Ewan would be great. It would be a lot more watchable than than that guy who's obviously – done his research, but just where he's done his research is maybe a bit questionable at some of the players. He's well, got just to be the way stopped. he's interpreted. He's yeah, but- just the way he's interpreted the research. And we're sitting right here, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we're in lockdown. There's nothing else to do. Exactly. Send us the pictures. I've often I've uh, told Logue about this before. I've had we this both- idea for alternate commentary, just mm-hmm. a website called alternatecommentary.com. Oh, and you could have all sports. I, I would- would you pay to be a commentator? I would pa- My idea was you set up this website and you charge people 20 bucks an hour and they can just go on there and commentate whatever it is that's on TV that they want to comment and their mates can listen and it'd just be good fun. I would pay good money to have alternative commentary of Mike Clayton and John yeah. Huggin yeah. doing the golf, but red button, like unfiltered, unfiltered like mm-hmm. everything they can. No seven second you- delay. You've got to pay because neither one of them's getting any work afterwards. But <laughs> <laughs> having well, you would have had this joy too. Walking a golf tournament with Mike Clayton, walking the, oh. the fairways with the, it, it is one of the great experiences in golf. It really is absolutely just phenomenal. Absolutely, so. and and to bring that to to bring that to the coverage would make it it would make it so must watch TV for golf, which is unbelievable because it 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 rarely is much what must watch TV. It'd so. be a form of HG and Roy, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You've done well, <laughs> Marco yeah. and Clates. Now that's what you want to put on alternate commentary. Like we might talk about that later on. Uh, that's it for episode 86 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Thank you both for joining us. We will, of course, be back next week for episode 87 here on the Good Good Golf Podcast.